Welcome to the Cure for Stupidity podcast, an ongoing exploration of the stupidity in real life, relationships, parenting, and more. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast here with us. Um, For those who are tuning in on Facebook video or the YouTube um, channel, as opposed to just listening to the podcast, if if you are just listening to the podcast, you can see what we look like um, by, <laughs> by watching. We also do a video every week when we record the podcast. So that's on Facebook and also on our YouTube channel. What's the handle on YouTube? Eric M. Bailey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's easy enough. Um, but we are uh, leading up to Halloween. So happy almost Halloween to everybody. And uh, my amazing co-host today is holy malarkey batman <laughs> that's my best robin <laughs> so bad but but oh, so we worked on this before we got started and that was probably the best one you've you've done so that okay, was, that was well, really good because i'm really not a robin i'm more of a Batman. you're more the batman i'm more like joker <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i'm not catwoman i'm not a leather girl oh so. hmm. hmm penguin <laughs> i'd say you're definitely more of a batwoman oh, all right interesting yeah you've got you've got the skills to pay the bills all right interesting well <laughs> speaking of all these women um we as women not yeah. we but we as women this week hit a major milestone mm-hmm. um as of and i i actually typed it out because i wanted to make sure i get all the numbers right but um as of october 26th women in america are working for free Wow. What what does that what does that mean? What is what, what does, does that, that mean? mean? It means that in general, mm-hmm. uh, women make twenty percent less than men. And that's the equivalent of working ten weeks for free mm. uh, in in the year, and that's for full time and or salaried women um, in the workforce. And that means that if we get ten weeks free as of October twenty sixth at midnight. We don't get paid anymore for the rest mm. of the year. Women mm. do not get paid for the rest of the year, despite being, you know, working full time, just like their, their counterparts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's one of those things w- when you when you first hear it, it's like nah, but then it it's that's real. I mean, if you were to put it in the in those those frameworks, it's pretty or in that framework, it's it's pretty stark. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing when I when I was writing down the numbers is um, that's for white women and white men, mm-hmm. um, and it's even worse for women of color. Mm-hmm. So for women of color, um, the gap is even wider, and that means that black women earn sixty five point three percent of white men, and Hispanic women earn fifty seven point six percent. Wow! And that just that right there hurts yeah those numbers are just staggering you know um when you were when you were talking to me about this earlier before we got started you know i i understand the statistics and and i understand like 80 percent 50 percent 60 percent those are those are big gaps but it's it's hard for me to really conceptualize that in real money terms and so kind of being excel geek i actually plugged it in and let's say you know a man and woman started at the age of 25, right out of college, you know, the man earned $50,000, the woman earned 20% less at $40,000. And, you know, it, it's not just the starting salary because all of your raises are percentage raises. Mm-hmm. So 3% cost of living 
off of $50,000 becomes a lot more than a 3% off of $40,000. Yeah, the snowball happens a lot faster. Yeah, and I, and I worked it out that over the course of an entire career, like like a 40-year career, the, the total lifetime earnings is over a million dollars different. Just from that $50,000 starting salary. And it's like, how did, I mean, I think, I think for, for at least for me, I, I, I look at that and I say, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. That's not right. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it's so easy to just say it's a statistic, whatever, mm. or, or, or honestly, one thing I hear a lot of people do is to say, yeah, but, and mm. they have a single anecdote that, that is counter the statistic. Well, the thing about generalized statistics is that yes, there's outliers in every direction. Yeah. So, so that one anecdote is not going to dispel the reality of what's going on. And the, the disparity at 20%, it's been that number for around 18 years. Wow. 18 years is around the uh, time frame that we've been looking at. Mm -hmm. It's bounced between like 80 and 83%. Um, there have been in the last year to two, mm -hmm. some changes. Yeah. But when you look over the entire workforce, the trends are still in there, the numbers are still in there. And for the last you know, 15, 16, whatever years it's been, you're looking at it between 80 and 83% less for women. Mm. And as of October 26th, we're done getting paid. Wow. And like when I think about it in that format, yeah. I'm like, okay, so leading into the holidays, I get no paychecks for November <laughs> and December. Yeah. Okay, no, 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 let's flip it. Okay, so after the holidays, January and February, I get no paychecks. Like no matter how you look at it, it's just like two full months plus, you know, some change mm -hmm. of no paychecks yeah. compared to their male counterparts. Same education, same qualifications, same everything. They, they equate, you know, for all of that and you know, are equalized for all yeah, of that. Yeah. And still 80%. Yeah. That sucks. It does. It does. And it's, it's not right. And so it's, in, so it's like, well, what, what do we do? What do we do? And, and I think one thing that we see a lot is, you know, as we're talking about context and we're talking about empathy over the last couple of weeks, I think one of the easiest things to do is just say, oh, well. You know, like, you. Yeah, that's the oh, that's that's too bad, or we have mm -hmm. sympathy for it. It's like, oh, that statistic is hard to say out loud, hard to hear, but then nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And 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 honestly, one of the things that that we all of us can do is is what we talked about last week, which is discussing money, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I think that in in a world where 52 percent of the population is making twenty percent less. And no one talks about salary. Well, all of a sudden, no one knows that women it's, are making yeah. less. No one will know that it's an issue. And that's the thing that's very, very interesting that I feel like repeatedly comes up for us is bringing stuff into the light. Mm -hmm. Stuff that lives in the shadows yeah. tends to benefit one party against the other. Right. And when you told me about that company last week where everybody can see everybody's pay, it holds, it gives accountability. Mm-hmm. It gives visibility and accountability and it helps bridge that gap yeah. that, that exists. And it's, it's, it's here in the United States. It is prevalent and it has been for over 15 years. Mm -hmm. When do we and how do we change it? How do we stop it? And yeah, we're making some strides right now. And just like the snowball effect for men of those 3% raises, you know, every year, if not more, mm -hmm. that's what we need right now is we need the snowball 
the opposite direction <laughs> right. to close that gap and right. to bring it in to where it's purely based on experience, mm-hmm. education, um, you know, the actual merits of the individual and nothing more. Right. And and the, the crazy thing is, you know, I do as we're, as we're doing a lot of work with um, with organizations on race and racism, um, we, we bring up this this uh, uh, psychology study that was done where they had the two resumes, one with Greg, oh, yep, one with yep. Jamal. They actually did it also with male, female, and it was the same thing. Resumes with a female name, they got fewer callbacks. They got lower starting salaries. It was it was the same. It was the same issue, and and so what they started to realize is that we we carry what they call proxies for expertise. And so what that means is that we, because we're trying to decide really, really quickly who's going to be the best person for the job. Yeah. And and so people rely on proxies for expertise. And some of the things they do is height. Taller people are seen as more of an expert than shorter people. Um, a gregarious personality or extroverted uh, personality are seen as more experts than, than those are so people who speak with confidence and they say what they mean and whatever there's like, if you were to say who has more ex- expertise, they would say that person does mm-hmm. the same thing happens with males versus females. They will assume people will assume that the male is more of an expert than the female. They will assume that the white person is more of an expert than the black person. And it's, you, you it just keeps going on and on. And, and if, if we keep reinforcing those stereotypes by not hiring people to these positions, then the gap is that snowball gap is just going to continue to grow. Yeah, and it's it's we've talked about apathy and empathy, mm-hmm. um, and I've heard apathy my whole life, and really, it's not until I really start to think about how deep apathy goes mm. that I'm kind of surprised. Um, you know, it's so easy to hear about it and be like, ah, it doesn't affect me. Right. You know, we're self-employed. We get to pick our own salaries. Right. It doesn't affect us. Right. Um, and there's so many outs and, you know, ways that you can say like, ah, there's nothing really to do about it. You know, and these systemic issues mm-hmm. really need to be addressed. Right. And we need to get towards empathy so that we can understand and get into it and dive into it and feel what needs to be felt Mm -hmm. as opposed to the apathetic, which I think as a, as a nation, we definitely (laughs) err towards the apathetic. Yep. Yeah. The the interesting thing you said, as you say that I'm sitting here thinking, uh, so we're listening to this podcast, um, uh, put on by the folks that did serial called, uh, What's it called? Nice white parents. Nice white parents. It, it's an amazing look into the New York City school system. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Um, and so the whole time we're listening to it, what I'm thinking is, so it's about integration. It's about school system, the education gap, the achievement gap, all this stuff. And and what I keep thinking is, what is the incentive for the middle class white parent to Go to an integrated school. Yeah. What, what is the incentive to fight for integration? Because integration helps the minority families and the minority children's education. But what, what's the benefit? What is the incentive? What's and in it for me? What's in it for me? Right. And so I think that same thing about, about the, the pay gap is what is the incentive for those that are benefiting from the pay gap to address or even acknowledge that pay gap? Yeah. And that's where, where where empathy becomes so important because it, it doesn't need to be about me. 
as a man, I'm just going to represent, right, um, yeah. as a man. It doesn't need to be about me. But through empathy, I can say, if I were in the other, if I were in your shoes, that wouldn't be okay. Mm-hmm. I can imagine, I can, right, get inside of that feeling, that suffering, and say, okay, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. How can I help? And as a parent, this is going to happen if you have a daughter. You mm-hmm. know, like, when my daughter enters the workforce. Yes. Hopefully this is resolved by then, right? Like <laughs> right. hopefully, yeah. but like put it in whatever relationship term you need to, to find the what's in it for you, mm-hmm. right? Like it may not affect you as a male, but I'm sure you have some women somewhere in your life where it is affecting <laughs> right. and like dive into the empathy wherever you can find it, right. whether it's, you know, intrinsic for yourself, yep. you know, or the people in your immediate circle or whether you're able to just say, this is wrong, mm-hmm. this isn't fair. Let's let's fix it. You know, yeah. let's make the change that needs to be changed already. Right, right. Well, one thing I think that is very, I want to say encouraging. So just stop me if it's the wrong word. Um, but uh, as as we were doing a lot of work uh, with Nicole and uh, a few years ago with the Me Too movement and everything, I started doing a lot of research on um, uh, uh, graduation rates, mm-hmm. uh, male and female graduation rates, and in all of American history. Uh, up until 2015, a larger proportion of college-age males had degrees than college-age females. In 2015, it flipped for the first time. And and the gap has been growing. Mm-hmm. So for the last five years, a, a much larger proportion of f- college-age females have been earning degrees than college age males which in my research just you know in figuring out the actual date Mm -hmm. where women start working for free it talked about it in there as millennial women being kind of this big switch Mm -hmm. in being the majority of college goers and it talked about a whole bunch of different stuff like millennial women have better credit scores than men even though the men make more money Mm -hmm. they have lower debt ratios even though men make more money like it went into this whole you know demographic breakdown yeah. Yeah. of stuff. And a lot of that data was basically between 2016, 2017, 2018. Right. Um, the last two years, I couldn't find anything exactly. That's yeah. why I kind of just said, you know, definitely for 15 years. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, within the last couple of years, it's starting to shift. Mm-hmm. But now we have a global pandemic and we have <laughs> unemployment and we have all these other things that are happening. And all of a sudden it's like, ooh, do we lose that? Do we lose that momentum? momentum? Yeah. You know, when when unemployment happens in pandemics and people are laid off, you see a lot of spikes in education mm-hmm. and higher education. So it's possible that we'll lose that footing. You know, you, you never know right. all the factors that are gonna go into that. Mm-hmm. But we do know that if we wanna continue to see the changes, we gotta talk about it and we gotta do something about it now. You know, mm-hmm. we can't keep waiting. Right can't let another 15 years pass right 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 it's it's on our watch now right it's on our watch mm-hmm. if, if you are if you are actively in the workforce you're actively in a leadership management position it's on our watch right it's it's no longer time to say what didn't they do it's it's what are we doing mm-hmm. and and that is that's a really powerful frame shift mm-hmm. um you know we do a lot of coaching of, of hr teams and hiring managers and leaders and 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 the one the one response I get very frequently, not all the time, but very frequently, is, well, shouldn't you just hire the best person? Yeah. And it's like, I I of course, but how do you know? Yeah. Like you as a hiring, the hiring manager, process is so difficult. It's so difficult, and and, and the thing is, it is, it is it is actually impossible to know because you only know if someone does a good job 
Once they're doing the job. Once they're doing the job. So if you're comparing 10 people, only one of them, you get to see if they do a good job or not. All of the other ones you don't get to see, which means you can't compare them mm-hmm. to the one you hired. And so there's no way to know if, you, if you've if you hired the right person or the, so the best in, candidate. Implicit bias, I mean, really is what's coming into play here. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. And people say, they say, you know, well, we just hire for culture fit. Mm-hmm. And so I say, so what's your culture? Define your culture. They're like, oh, I don't know. Like if you can't define your culture, how on earth are you going to hire for culture fit? Well, I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Which means, Ooh. which means bias. Yeah. Which means I'm going to hire people that I like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire people that I that I feel I'm more comfortable around. I'm going to hire people that fit these proxies for expertise. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's how these things keep going on. Continue. They keep going on. And, and I think that if we can lean away from apathy, because apathy is something that it just... It, as you're saying, it, it permeates mm-hmm. our country, our, our existence. I mean, apathy, so from parenting, okay? Mm. So here we are. We get into parenting, yeah. right? And the kids, when they become apathetic, you get, you know, two two reactions out of them, right? Mm-hmm. You get the kids that act out and, you know, tantrums or yelling, screaming, hitting, you know, whatever it may be. Or you get the other kids that are completely tuned out, zoned mm-hmm. out, and I don't care. Mm. Yeah. And it's like you get these completely different reactions yeah. out of the kids based on how important they feel. Right. And that's which which brings us to to one of the most controversial subheadings <laughs> of the book. Uh, and, and, I, and I wrote it intentionally. So the, the subhead is children are insignificant, which is which is true. Um, if you think about what, Yuck, what, don't say that. <laughs> well, so physically they're smaller than adults. Their voices are, are literally smaller. Their vocal cords are shorter. So they're smaller. Um, they have less influence, less authority. Um, as, as the, the smaller they are, the, the more likely they are to be reliant on a bigger person. They can't move around the world by themselves. Like all I these. hear you. I just hate it. It's awful. Right. But, but here's the thing is that. As you're saying, like what children do when they when they feel insignificant is is they tend to try to regain significance by by the acting out or whatever. Or or what they do is they say it doesn't matter. Yeah. And they And, and we're too- just barely getting into the teenage years. But I can only <laughs> imagine what this is gonna look like at the end of all three mm-hmm. kids going through their mm-hmm. teenage years. Yeah. Is you're gonna get the acting out. You know, whatever that may look like mm-hmm. in each of their personalities and whatever they're searching for or the completely checked out, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever. in their room 24-7, you know, completely not involved and yeah. engaged with the family. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the crazy thing about this idea of, of children being insignificant is, and this is hard to say, but how often we reinforce that. Mm-hmm. So as parents, so, so kids are already like at a disadvantage f- physically and, 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 and with authority, whatever they're, they're, they're smaller, whatever. But then on occasion, many occasions we're on our phones, mm. ignoring our kids, reinforcing, reinforcing that they're insignificant. And so like you hear daddy, 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 daddy. And, and this is full transparency. Like you're, you're getting the real, the real deal here. But, but so often because I'm on my phone or because I'm at my laptop or because I'm, you know, doing something else, my child's voice becomes 
annoying annoying mm. sometimes and i get that and and, and <laughs> i'm not innocent i get it right and it's like it's like hold on daddy's just finishing email hold on daddy's reading something hold on and i'm reinforcing that insignificance well and not to give you an out but in covid where we're all home 24 7 it's very hard to differentiate work <laughs> time from at home to you know the different roles that we play mm-hmm. and all being under one roof at the exact same time. Yeah. Now I will say that this isn't something that's only happened during COVID, so there is also <laughs> that. But I do see that it is becoming a little bit more prevalent lately. Yes. Of you know, we'll try to sit for a couple of minutes where we got to focus on a remodeling thing or figure something out or get back to a contractor with some questions. And to the kids, it's like, oh, mommy and daddy are sitting and hanging out. Cool. Let's mm-hmm. go show them this, show them that, show them this, show them that. You know, and we've got some some extroverted children just like <laughs> me who. If you're you're not actively looking like you're doing something, they're they gonna extrovert you. <laughs> they're gonna talk your ear off, ask you and questions, totally yeah. fill that space mm-hmm. to try and you know suck you in and get your attention and get your your you know time together, your quality time. Yeah, and it's not easy. Like mm-hmm. it's even harder right now for right. us to make sure that we and like we do a lot after bedtime. Like we are night owls, and that works very well for us. And I feel like. There are times where we do a really good job when we're very intentional mm-hmm. of when we're working on something like try to explain like, okay, yesterday um, we were working on a bunch of projects and we were trying to get some stuff done for the week. And Jasmine was like, when can we carve our pumpkins? Yeah. And it's like, I gave her an exact time and she held me accountable to that time. <laughs> she set a timer when there were six minutes left and on the Google thing, she was sitting there with the book. She was watching the countdown. I mean, she was ready to She's go ready. at four o'clock. Like Mm -hmm. she knew four o'clock was carve the pumpkin time. time. Okay. I communicated very well, manage the expectation. There are other times where I want to scroll Facebook. (laughs) I want to read an article. I want to veg out. And I think those are the times Mm -hmm. where the insignificance is even more painful. Yeah. Where how many times was I reading something, scrolling, or completely in a different mental space when I miss the first three mommies and by the fourth one, it catches up and I'm a little agitated over the fact that I couldn't finish what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that reaction, that's the, that insignificance yeah. that, that's yuck, you know, it's yeah. apparent, but well, it's real. But I mean, so, so let me ask you a question, an honest question mm-hmm. is, have you ever felt insignificant because I was on my phone, my computer, my whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Right. Um, We've talked about it. I mean, you're right. you're a morning person. Mm-hmm. I like sleeping in. Yeah. And even just waking up to you reading articles on the iPad or mm-hmm. um, you know doing some emails and some work and stuff. Yeah. It's, yes. It's hard for me. Right. Because it's like, oh, well, we didn't cuddle, and like I woke up and like I felt like we were totally separate. Like you were already up and ready to go for the day, mm-hmm. and like I kind of feel a little bit of guilt, but then I also feel like I look at the clock and I'm like it's only seven thirty. Like it's not like I slept in a ton, right? And so like I feel off kilter and I feel a little jaded of like mm-hmm. what was so important on the right. you know thing that we didn't get to have a morning together because it's rare. Like when that happens, like I get it, your brain turned on, you were thinking yeah. of something or whatever. But yeah, I do. I still have that feeling of. Yeah. Mm, I was insignificant. Right. And, and I, th- I think that's that's the interesting thing is that... You've never felt that from me, though. Never. Yeah. Never. Ever. In the last 20 minutes we've been recording this. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, so, but, but, but I think... Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I know, right? You nailed it. So, so... <laughs> Hashtag winning. <laughs> so, I think, I think the, 
the the idea that children are insignificant and and that how children respond when they feel insignificant is not separate from how we as adults respond as well. Mm-hmm. And so, re, uh, adults. <laughs> so Jasmine for pause. Jasmine for for a the, year or so. Year or so. She would say she would say adults, but she thought it was redults. And so, I mean, that's where that came from. <laughs> so adults. Adults will, will do the same thing is, is if they feel insignificant, they will either disengage, right? They kind of actively disengage or they'll try to kind of over insert their, their, their significance in something that, that we see a lot called the know-it-all. <laughs> and, and, and I just want you to know, you know, I want you to know uh, that I am a card carrying member of the know-it-all club. Now. That's recorded. <laughs> Because you've never been a know-it-all. I have never, ever been a know-it-all. But I've been waiting for this conversation. (laughs) This is one of my favorite parts in the book. (laughs) So, so the know-it-all. And so I, I, what I, what I say is I am a recovering Uh know-it-all. So it's, I'm always in the process of recovery. So it makes you feel better. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. Um, And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get better at it because when I started to think about what is it, what is a know-it-all? Kind of to remove myself from it. What is a know-it-all? Well, a know-it-all is really someone that is trying to be significant in as many areas as they can. So um, if if you tell a fact that is novel to me, I will have this twinge of, yeah, I know. And like, I won't, I won't let you surprise me with a fact because my, like, that makes me feel insignificant. So I kind of try to reinstate my significance, but yeah, I already knew that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, um, or one-upping it or, or one-upping, right. So, uh, I used to, I, I've done a lot of exploring of myself <laughs> on this, but like if someone at work tells a story, I will very often like hear their story and I'm a good, I'm a good active listener. So I'm, I'm nodding and I'm, I'm a hawing the whole way through. I'm not a good listener. No, you are not. And so, but, but what I do is afterwards, I will then tell a related story after maybe a bigger story or uh, someone says, Oh, I went on a cruise. Like, Oh, that's so fun. When I went on my cruise and, and I, I kind of build on it and that and really, and this, this is the hardest, the hardest realization I have had as a know-it-all is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to win. Mm. Right? I'm trying to win the conversation. I'm trying to... Yeah. Okay. So hold on. Hold on. Okay. Because there are times where that can just build rapport. For sure. There For are sure. times where it can be like, I've been on a cruise too. We have a shared experience. Like, so... So, but the, difference, the difference? The difference is, you. so you tell me about a cruise you went on. I say, oh my gosh, I went on a cruise too. What was it like for you? Oh, I went on a cruise too. Did you? Was it this or this or this? And I'm I'm actually trying to draw more out of you. Got it. But what I would do, <laughs> I'm trying to say this very calm because it's kind of hurting me inside to say this out loud. <laughs> but what I would do as a know-it-all is I would make I would tell my grand story, maybe before you were done telling yours. Uh, right. It. And so it's not about building rapport. It probably is somewhere in there, but it comes out. But it comes out differently, wrong. yeah. Okay. And I mean, uh, and honestly, and I'm, I'm going to step into a danger zone here. Is that something that that you what? you do what? you you do is you hijack? <laughs> That's just my attention span combined with my extrovertedness. Well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but 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 maybe like so. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put you in the same category as me as know it all. But I noticed that when I'm... Phew, what, you get to sleep on the bed tonight. 
<laughs> well put. <laughs> but but what I, what I do is what I think about is is when I'm trying to win a conversation, I'm trying to like how do you win a conversation? Yeah, that's right? a little hard for me to it's, even. That's why I was asking like building rapport because but, I don't quite get how you but can that's, win. But that's you can't. But but for a know-it-all who's trying to build back or or gain significance um and just kind of speaking generally here is is because of the feeling of insignificance they will try to uh they will we will try to capture something or seem that we are bigger grander get back into the spotlight kind of thing maybe something like that or or at least say that we know and knowing like being on the inside and and it feels different than being on the outside. So have you ever flubbed about knowing something that you oh, like? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, I mean, there are there are certain times where, where people will say something and I'm like, uh-huh. And then just kind of relying on my intellect to gather enough context over the next couple of minutes to figure out what the heck they just said. Mm-hmm. Because... In those moments, as at when I'm in my where I'm wearing my know-it-all hat, it's it it's it was too painful for me to acknowledge I don't know, and so I will pretend that I know and just hope that I can catch up eventually. Got it. Okay. It's weird. It is. It's very weird. I I I know that I have know-it-all tendencies in there, mm-hmm. um, and again, it's easier for me to see it in everybody else <laughs> than it is in myself. I mean. I may not be a Batman, but I'm pretty darn good. I mean, I'm just saying. You are a good Robin. But it's hard. It's hard to see where fight to be right and mm-hmm. know it all and genuine, just excited, want to talk about it. And yeah. ah, like I just get worked up and excited and, you know, I get really into it. And I dive into the deep end of the conversation really fast sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know if it's intent. I don't mm. know if it's malicious. I don't know if it's that. I just don't have awareness to it yet, and maybe that's in there, and I'm just not aware of it yet. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know what kind of differentiates the different categories of stuff. Yeah. All I can say is, yeah, like I, when I see it happen, it feels yuck sometimes. Yeah. Um, being that you're recovering, it's very nice because it's it makes it easy to talk about it. Right. And that's great. And being that you are so open about your tendencies, <laughs> we may have at least one child that is uh, following in your footsteps. All of them. Um, all of them. I got all of them going. <laughs> but it's nice because you'll use yourself as the example mm-hmm. and use it as a learning opportunity for them of, hey, you know, you're doing what I do and it's yuck. Right. And you're good at, you know, again, you can see it in other people better. You're good at calling it out. But making it about you, right? And using you as the foundation of it feels yuck. Like don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um. And I think that that's it's good that they're talking about it from such a young age and they're getting awareness to it. Um. I will open the door for you to help me maybe draw some distinguishing factors mm-hmm. between uh one I'm being a know-it-all potentially. Well, so what about this? And 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 just I'm gonna put this out there and just let you sit with it for a minute, but. What if, like, what if know-it-all isn't your default go-to when you're feeling insignificant? What if you, what if you lean towards apathy? I do. Right, and so, and, I so agree. and so, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Is is not when you when you when you hijack a story. Maybe that's not being a know-it-all. 
Because that's just the way that my mind was like, well, of course, you're just trying to win the conversation. You're trying to get all the whatever. It's like, oh, that's not how you think. And so maybe that's not a sign of you feeling insignificant. But when you do feel insignificant. I definitely err towards apathy. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would much rather take two steps back and be like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. rather than dive into it and, you know, get into the yuck sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just happened a couple of, yesterday. Something happened yesterday. Uh, oh, no, two days ago. So we're trying to, we're trying to move uh, the, the, the basketball hoop. <laughs> we're trying to move the basketball yeah. hoop uh, out because we're, you know. That giving... was a fun project. <laughs> <laughs> we're giving it away on, on Buy Nothing. If you don't know about Buy Nothing, ask Jamie. Um, but, but basically, so we were giving it away to, to someone. A family. a family. And when we moved into this house, we like tucked it up, tucked it into the very, we had the movers. Cor- yeah, that's right. Tuck it into tuck it the, in back the very corner. back corner. Now, when we put the thing together, I had the brilliant idea of making this thing basically permanent, <laughs> and I poured about two hundred pounds of sand and then water. So this thing is like probably three hundred fifty pounds at the base, and so difficult to tip. And so we're like moving it, moving it, moving it. And we got it to a it place. It was like a two-hour project to it get was, it from one side of the was, house to the yeah, driveway. Yeah, my back is still sore. Yeah, not yeah. Fun. And so, and so we got it to where we wanted it for the night, so that we can easily move, move it, it the next to morning the front. to the front. And so I'm asking Jamie, can you lie down the dolly this way so that so <laughs> oh, that yeah. is it is the dolly gonna fit? I was wondering where you were going. <laughs> and so yeah, it's a big story. Yeah, and so and so anyway, Jamie's like, just just you do it. Just, mm-hmm. just you do it. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm holding the 350 pound thing. I need you to tell me. Is it, and, I, and I, for for whatever reason, the way I was communicating it wasn't making it into what you were seeing. Yeah. And, and I did. I still don't think that I know exactly what you wanted, <laughs> but I think I felt like you just kind of conceded. And you were like, ah, it's good enough. No, that you did. It was exactly right. But 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 what the but your reaction was like whatever. Yeah. And it was like just. I was whatever. like, let me hold the pole. Yeah. I will hold 350 freaking pounds. Do the dolly. I can't handle this. Yeah, 100%. I was like, done. Yeah. Stop repeating the instructions. I don't get it. <laughs> no, but I think that that might be, right? So so in that moment, if you're, if, I don't know if you're feeling insignificant or whatever. Maybe but... it was your know-it-all, though, that needed to. Probably. Explain. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, it may, and so it We're may... a great combo. <laughs> the know-it-all and the so, apathetic so, one. <laughs> so I think I think the, the know-it-all in my head that was going on is, I know you can get this. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that's what I, that's what I had in my head is. So sweet. <laughs> I love you so much, baby. Aww. No, but I had it in my head like I I know you can get it, and if we and have, I was like done, was like it's not worth like it's not worth the yeah. time. Yeah, like just whatever. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, checked out. <laughs> All right, one place we can't be apathetic. Yes. Boeing. Vote, 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 vote. There are six days until the election. If you haven't already voted. Hopefully we got a lot of early votes in, um, but there are six days until the election and it is absolutely imperative that you make your voice heard. Um, make a plan, get out there. If you're going to the polls, figure that out. Know your location, know the hours, know the rules, know the ID that you have to bring. Um, if you're a parent and you have get kids over 18, bring them with you, encourage them, have the conversations, help them make a plan, help your parents make a plan. Talk to your friends, talk to everybody about getting out to vote. Um, If you're unsure of where to go, um, you can go to IWillVote.com. Doesn't matter what state you're in, you select your state, you put in your info and it will give you everything you need to vote. Um, If you have an early ballot and you haven't dropped it off yet, it gives you the ballot boxes. um, Because I think 
the Arizona, yeah, the deadline was yesterday to get those mailed in. So you're gonna wanna make sure that you just go ahead and go, get the ballot turned into the proper location so that you can get your voice heard. Yeah. Vote, V-O-T-E, vote. Vote. So <laughs> millions and millions of people don't vote. Uh, every, every four years, every two years, every one year, millions of people don't vote. And then, you know, we hear a lot of people complaining. Like, I don't like the way things are happening in my place, in my country. It's like, well, did you, what, did you do anything about it? Did you vote? Did you encourage other people to vote? Uh, so vote, vote. Don't be apathetic. Don't be, I love that. Vote. Nice tie-in, nice tie-in. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you want to follow along with us, you can grab the book, The Cure for Stupidity, at thecureforstupidity.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And um, so so what Jamie didn't fully explain is that um, uh, she is wearing a Robin costume and I am wearing a Batman oh, yeah. costume. For, for those of you listening on the audio-only podcast, uh, and she looks super cute with the, uh, the Robin mask is kind of as a, a hairband, which is very clever. Yeah. Very clever. I don't have a hairband on today. I'm sure it's okay. <laughs> in any case happy halloween thanks for tuning in stay safe out there and boat, boat. <laughs> bye, bye.